Welcome to Behind the Sims. At SaberSim, we're a team of professional gamblers, data scientists, and sports nerds building the best DFS optimizer and sports betting model on the market. This podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at how we do it. Every episode is an unedited recording of our team's actual conversations as we research, analyze, and iterate our way to answering the tough questions in DFS and sports betting. Whether we're answering questions like what's the best way to build your bankroll, analyzing different ways to diversify, or even building new models, we're going to share it all right here and we aren't holding anything back. If you're ready to go deep into what it really takes to win, then this is a podcast for you. All right, so just catching Jordan up on this, actually, Eric, you and I did a quick call. Well, it was meant to be a quick call. Uh, we kind of went into things, honestly thought about recording it. Um, but regardless, um, as you've been, I think the last time we, the three of us spoke was probably about a week ago. Um, and you have been doing a good amount of analysis into looking at the variance of different contests, as well as, um, just seeing the ROI different, like how much harder is one contest versus another. And there's a lot of ways we could have gone with it. You start digging in. And then as you're getting closer, I was like, all right, we should probably just touch base. Uh, so I guess, do you want to just summarize for Jordan how we kind of redirected things a little bit when you and I last spoke? Yeah, so just, um, I guess, before, like sort of on our last call, we were talking about the ROI change in putting a lineup in one contest into, into the other. Um, and so sort of where we've gone from there is, you know, we want to match up like the actual contest selection process. And so it's like, okay, I have $5 to put in tonight. Where should I put that? Um, and so it's, you know, it's pretty easy to tell people, like, obviously you want to go in the lower dollar contest first. Um, but a piece that I felt like we were missing is we have the expected ROI difference, but if we don't know the timeline to realize that ROI or, um, you know, the different contest structure that the, that the contest is like, that's sort of a piece that we would be missing there. If we were just saying, oh, you know, the, the daily dollar is softer than the base hit, like play the daily dollar, like those two comparisons aren't really apt because the base hit is 12 times the entry fee. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's also, I think just going a little farther, it's also not as though it's usually that's the only decision someone's going to be making. Um, yeah. like they're going to be playing many contests. Um, so it's, you have to kind of have more of a ranking to things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not just one contest versus another. It's the whole, I don't know, breadth of the contest. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, where we left off. And then um, what Andy and I sort of chatted about was trying to sort of nail down, I guess, how to show the different variants in the contests. Um, you know, the, the different sort of paths that you could see in a season, um, stuff like uh, adding like a bankroll in. So, um, you know, if you're playing 
2% of your bankroll in this contest over a season? Like, what does that kind of look like in terms of, um, you know, how often you're making money, uh, how often you're losing your bankroll, like just sort of stuff like that to kind of, I guess, like give people an idea of, okay, if you're choosing one contest over the other, like how does that actually look in your season of results? Yeah. And one of the big things that we were digging into is like, how do we measure that? Um, and so because we we have basically 3000 Sims for every game, uh, we can just sim out 3000 different ways that these contests are going to go for a single lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not perfect by any means, but we debated doing that versus, okay, like, what do you do for the next day? Like, and then do we have enough of a sample so that we could do it? 3000 times for like every unique day. And then one off for all the contests. And it just got super complicated very quickly. Um, and so we were, what we kind of found the middle ground of is rather than, I mean, cause frankly, simming it out 3000 times can be interesting, but it's not super relevant to us day to day because like, we're not going to be able to play practice speaking like this contest 3000 times. Um, and so what we did was said, okay, how many, like roughly, I think we did like 160, right? Eric yep. for baseball. Yeah. And we said the first 160 Sims that is for one season. Yeah. And then we'll do the next 160 and there'll be another season. So basically we're able to do about, um, what is it like it's 25? Like I think it's actually like 21. Okay. Yeah. We were able to do a bit over 20 seasons and that way we can say, okay, here's what your variance could look like playing this contest over a season. Um, here's how many seasons you go broke in this contest with different bankrolls. And that's really going to inform bankroll management too, but I think it'll make it clearer to us just, yeah, this might be a higher, higher ROI contest, but you need five times the same bankroll to have a similar uh, chance of going broke. And so that's sort of where we left things off. And then, yeah, do we want to just kind of jump into it from here or are there other things we should give Jordan context on? Um, no, I, I think, I think that's good. Uh, we can just hop in yeah. there yeah i'll share yeah i'll share the screen what i've got up here um so i guess just summarizing what did you find on the more standard just comparing contests with the same limit entry limit different entry fee generally the same number of entries yeah so this was pretty like pretty close to kind of what we expected is, uh, you know, if, if you take a lineup from a high do, higher dollar contest and you put it in a lower dollar one, you're going to increase your ROI, which basically just means that the lower dollar contests are softer. Um, and and so yeah, I, the way know, to read this is like, we say yeah. the base hit is $12 single entry, the daily dollars, $1 single entry. Um, and you see this like X ROI change column. That means if you put the base hit lineup into the daily dollar, you would gain 3.83 ROI points to the oh, okay. 
percentage yeah. points, not like a percent. Like if you have a 10% ROI, it's not saying it's going to, this is a bad example, but like it's not saying it's going to 13. It's saying it would go to 13.83. Right, it. Eric? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah I, that's good context. Um, but yeah, so I think this pretty much follows kind of what we thought. And obviously, it, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense in terms of like, you know, the, the lower dollar stuff, you just have less experienced players. Um, and so yeah, that just all contributes to softer contests. Um, I did want to point out, yeah, go, go ahead. For it. Um, I, I did want to point out the, the bottom one, which kind of yeah like bucks the trend. Uh, so the battery, which is obviously $121 center and then the skipper, which is 25. So it has like the flipped expected ROIs. So, um, the, the higher dollar one, when you take that lineup and put it into the skipper, it actually lowers its ROI. Um, and the reasoning for that is because of the rake. Uh, and so I think it's once you get over a hundred dollars, the rake flips to 10% instead of 15%. Um, and so in our, in our comparator, when we look at the initial contest of the battery, that contest being raked at 10%. But then when we take that lineup and put it into the skipper, all of a sudden that lineup is being raked at 15%. Um, and yeah, because so, I was one that intuitively like, oh, that's weird. But then when you actually dig into like, okay, so that, that is, I mean, that really shows the impact of rake because yep. if it's, yeah, four percentage points swing from $12 to $1, or probably the chin music to the daily dollar is about two and a half percent swing, which is ratio wise. It's similar to this where it's basically about five times the buy-in. And this is like minus four. So that's pretty big. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so one uh, other thing to, I wanted to highlight is that's kind of interesting is the four seamer is 20 max $4 contest. Quarter jukebox is 20 max 25 cent contest. It's like very different price points. One takes $80 to max out the other five. And they're pretty much the same. Like the mm -hmm. quarter jukebox is 0.65%. Uh, you would gain an yes. ROI, but like you can call those effectively the same. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting to me. And I, one thing we did talk about too, Eric, is that on DraftKings, there are some kind of edge cases where anything below $3 players with more than $1 million in lifetime entries cannot play regardless, just across the board. They cannot play those. If it is under $5, they can only play a contest. If it has more than I think is $25,000 prize pool. Yeah, that's correct. The, um, four seamer often is above that, but maybe like half the time it's not, we don't need to do it now, but like, did you, analyze both versions of it like we had I, I did not know okay. um I, I did like i i'm pretty sure it's at least in in what we have in our database it's it's actually like a a non-experienced contest i want to say like 75 percent of the time okay. so like the majority of i guess the sample here would be 
excluding experienced players, which probably contributes somewhat to why it's similar to the quarter jukebox. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I also think it's like a very accessible contest and sort of like also just like an attractive contest where you still have a low entry fee. Um, but you know, it's good structure and for like a casual player or just like an average player, you know, you're still getting those, like, if you get first, like it's like, you know, a lot of money kind of thing. Um, and so I think that all kind of contributes to it being, I guess, relatively a little bit softer than, than we would expect. Yeah. And so I'm just going to add it to the list of like the final analysis. Um, mm -hmm. Compare those. Um, and it's also interesting it, the effect here is most extreme on lower entry limit contests. Like the, the impact of entry fee seems to be diluted as the entry limit gets bigger a bit. It's not a perfect pattern, but. That makes sense to me because yeah. this is, I know I go back to poker a lot. It's just kind of how my brain works for comparing things, but in poker, this I forget if some I think some sites that cater towards recreational players would limit the number of tables you could play, and there usually was some limit to it, but it was pretty high. But even then, it's like the top players might play twenty tables at once around there, um, and it's probably a different game nowadays. But when you're doing that, you're you are objectively playing worse at each of those tables because you can't spend as much time on it so your leverage call it like 20 times theoretically but it's less than that because your impact goes down um in dfs it basically like it's if you know how to use if you have a process that lets you mass multi-entry incremental lineups take effectively no more time mm -hmm. and doesn't really lower your expectation i guess you could theoretically be going like farther down the uh, expected value rank, but practically speaking, right. that it shouldn't make much of an impact. And so what I'm getting at is that uh, in the 150 max contest, you are going to be playing against um, kind of, it's going to be more uh, consolidated around those, those top players. Right. And it also is just going to like, they're going to eat up, more of that dead money. Um, whereas like they just can't get that leverage in the lower entry limit ones. Yeah. I, I do think that the like scaling from a, a $5 lineup or like one, you know, one single lineup to 20 lineups, like the analogy you had with, with uh, multi-tabling, I do think that that's something that we should kind of touch on later. Um, because like I'm, somewhat in agreement with you in terms of like uh it isn't all that difficult to scale up but i also do think there are considerations there where it's like you know going from one lineup to 20 lineups you still can kind of look through your pool and you know make some calls and make sure that all of those lineups look like something you would play in single entry but to go from like 20 to 150 i do think that there's a decent amount of like, I don't know, just like lineups you wouldn't necessarily play if you were playing a single entry or something like that. Um, 
And so, I mean, I do think that that's somewhat of an important distinction. What do you uh, think the impact of that is? Because to me, I almost feel like this data suggests the opposite. Not not the opposite of your qualitative anal analysis, but like I would then assume that if that manual control, quality control, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is adding value, I would then assume that a single entry is going to be harder. Not necessarily like in absolute terms, but that would make it likely that the average lineup in there is stronger if right. what you're saying is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess that's more of like, like what I was talking about is more of like a feeling. So, I mean, it, it might be completely wrong. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like if I'm looking at my like 140th lineup, it's like, oh, this lineup kind of sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I mean, no, the, and, the data. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I get the direction you're pointing. And it's probably true um, that like if you were to, to compare, the way you try to test that assumption is just is the average lineup from a winning player in that contest better do better than the average lineup in the other and not by as far as like results even it's just by like points like are they building better lineups but even then like you're building different kinds of lineups for different contests and so i think it's hard to measure but the way i read this data is that even if that does have an impact it is dramatically outweighed by the impact that um you just get the, the truly top players have way less leverage on the field. You, you're playing against a worse player on average. And I, I think that makes sense um, because if you're putting in 150 lineups or if you're putting in 20 lineups, you probably have some sort of process that like, you know, you're, you're a good player basically. Like right. if you're putting 150 in your 140th lineup, like might not be fantastic, but because you're putting 150 exactly. in. It's sort of like selection bias. Right, where... so, no, no, exactly. It's like you might not have built that lineup yourself, but that doesn't mean it's a yeah. minus EV lineup, whereas there's going to be a shit ton of minus EV lineups in those single entries because people just aren't able to build good lineups. Right. So, no, that, right. that makes sense. Um, Jumping to the next one. Uh, results, total entries, and max entries so this is saying holding the entries pretty constant except for a couple of these um and the what what is this in analyzing how would you describe yeah, so so this one um i mean this sort of leads into kind of what we were talking about next but so for these we were trying to hold um our total entries constant and we were varying both the limit in the contest and the entry fee. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, you know, some of, I think some of the results are are interesting, like the, the rally cap and the solo shot. I mean, they're obviously very different contests and you have some sort of confounding stuff going on where it's like, you know, the, the rally cap is $8 to enter and you can enter a whole lot more lineups, uh, which should make it sharper. And, and we do see that. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, I think what this shows us is like the, the overwhelming sort of takeaway from stuff like this should be like, we should look at the variance of the contest. Um, this doesn't yeah, seem that- I guess to flesh out what you you mean or what I think you're getting at, you're saying that, one, this is actually going to be something that if you're listening to this, I would recommend jumping over to YouTube so you can see the numbers. But um, we'll try to give some examples, but it's just going to be much better to see visually. Um, but like, I think what you're getting at is that there is an ROI change that typically um, it's showing at the entry fee does have like going down an entry fee will almost always improve your ROI. Um, and when you say to look at the variance, it's because the we don't alter like ROI doesn't pay the bills like profit does. And I would take a 10% ROI in a thousand dollar contest all day. And these are just random numbers versus a 25% contest in a hundred dollar, uh, a 25% ROI in a hundred dollar contest, because the other one is actually like creating more profit for me. Um, and is that sort of what you're getting at? It's like, okay, so with that analysis, we have to figure out, yes, these contests are theoretically better from a ROI standpoint, but you're going to be making less. So let's see what sort of bankroll will be needed and what kind of swings would be involved in, in moving up in stakes. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's just a lot of like, if, you know, if, if we're trying to hold our total entries sort of constant, like we are, you know, obviously we're varying our entry fee, our limit is changing here too. And so we just have a bunch of stuff sort of compounding and, I guess confounding where it's like we can't, you know, we can't definitively say like, you know, because of this, uh, I don't know, the like uh, an increased number of entries means a software contest or something because the comparisons are just really difficult to make in a good way. Um, and so, like, you know, the the minimax compared to the relay throw, I think we all can agree is a little bit softer, but um, you know, without seeing that, like it's doubled the total entries. And so without sort of seeing how that impacts your variance over a season, um, and if you can realize that ROI, like it's sort of like what you're saying, like, who cares if you have a 2% ROI, if it's going to take you, you know, three times longer to sort of realize it. Um, so what were you going to say before Jordan? Uh, well, so what I was going to say is that I was confused. I get it now more. I was confused by Eric's point about this data being kind of confounding here, because to me at first glance, the story was kind of clear that like the contest we expect to be intuitively softer is across the board here. Um, and to me, that seems clear. But, Meaning lower buy-in contests. 
Yes. So the solo shot is softer than the rally cap. The quarter jukebox is softer than the relay throw. The mini max is slightly softer than the relay throw. Like, right. The relay throw being a $15 per entry contest, mini max being $1, both 150 entry limit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the time horizon to realize that ROI, I kind of see now why that's important. These numbers, I guess, don't really work in the vacuum. Um, like I was first thinking. So, and it's, it's yeah, interesting I mean, for me to, to observe and, and listen here, knowing that you guys spoke last week, because I think I'm getting to kind of look at this with a little bit of fresh eyes. Right. Um, so. Yeah. So I'll jump to the next one. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious, Eric. Yeah, if you want to set up this next slide, just kind of going through the contest selection process, because that's what I kept going back to is saying, okay, like, how is this going to inform decisions? Because if we're looking at it, like, for the most part, I think all this analysis up until this point has been helpful in just emphasizing the, the impact of entry fee. Um, but practically nobody is deciding between spending 2250 bucks to max out the relay throw versus 150 to max out the minimax. Um, and so it's like grounding this analysis from here in practical things. And I think like if I were to write down principles right now for condo selection, it would be prioritizing the lowest buy and stuff first. Um, almost regardless of entry limit. Um, but I think around the margins is where you'd get some questions like, okay, the relay throw is a 20 max contest. It's going to cost $80 to max it out. There's the 50 cent mini max, which is going to cost $75. Figure out like I could see people taking figure out like which one should i play right. um and so i think like that's a specific one to look into but there's going to be a lot of decisions like that where it's okay do we literally max out everything below three dollars before doing anything above do we max out 20 max and under below three dollars like how do we analyze that so i'm just curious um where your head's at now and if you think we have enough information we don't need to, like give the answer now but i'm curious like what your thoughts are and if we have enough so far to like make that uh some suggestions there yeah so I, I guess my thought with that would be um you know with sort of what we're coming up on like the the gains that you get by maxing a contest whether it's like a 20 max or 150 max in terms of sort of realizing your roi i think are like massive compared to uh something like a, a two percent roi change or or something like that um and so like for me if i was to recommend something i i mean obviously you have to be good at multi-entry and know how to use the tools and everything um but what i would recommend is as many lineups at like as low as possible of an entry fee as you can basically um yeah and to just make sure 
we do keep it grounded in like the actual decisions people go through. Mm-hmm. It's for the lowest state, like the, the broadly speaking, it seems like the entry limit. If all other factors are held the same number of entrants, entry fee, the higher the entry limit, the tougher the contest is going to be on average. Um, yep. So yeah, it's like, it's not as though it's a decision of do I do single entries or do I max these other ones out? The, you should build that foundation probably on those low dollar, still like the low entry limit ones, because those are going to be higher ROI, but it's more trying to almost persuade people of the fact that like, Hey, like don't just stop there. And before you start adding some of these higher buying single entries, you probably going to be better suited even if those have a higher ROI you're probably going to be better suited to like do more entries in, in some of these other ones yeah I, I totally agree with that um yeah I, I think the what you you really gain in limiting variance by playing sort of more lineups across the slate I think that that is big and then you even like you get some compounding going and um yeah, that that would definitely be be my recommendation. Okay. Um, okay, so for like my notes that I have for now for just because what we're trying to do is get as close as we can as we can to the like conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then once you feel like you're there, well, basically after this call, you'll go like take the next steps to plug in the gaps and then you and Jordan will do an office hours to share all that interview, deeper questions, all that kind of thing. Um, And so I think the things that I have notes on that would be good to add would be the four seamer non-experienced versus experienced Mm -hmm. the 50 cent mini max versus the four seamer. Um, And just seeing if there's anything else that would be good to do that, do that. And Maybe you've done some of that analysis or something similar when we look at the variance. Um, but I feel like this is that's for variance analysis, not necessarily like just um, ROI um, analysis and variance. Just making some notes. Um, okay. So for the variance stuff, you've got this is basically like what you did is just for a different contest pair chin music five dollar single entry quarter jukebox 25 cent 20 max both cost five dollars to max out um and so yeah what did you find here yeah so um i guess and again this is going to be significantly better if if you're watching on youtube or something um because there's two graphs (laughs) but yeah so so for this um you know, pretty similar expected ROIs across both of the contests. Uh, but just like visually from the graphs, you sort and of- The graphs are can... showing, it's okay. So it's profit on the left uh, day on, on the x-axis. And- um, So each line is like a season, essentially. Exactly. So there's 20 different lines. Each line is showing 20 seasons. This has been simulated by saying a season is 160 randomly selected sims from our like 
iterating out the entire contest 160 different times for one season, then doing it again for the next, right? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and so, I mean, just visually, you can see the difference in the variance in playing one yeah. lineup in a contest. I mean, on the left, it's 20. just like all over. Extremely like, you have some huge jumps because winning the Chin Music is a much bigger payout as far as like ROI goes um, than winning the quarter jukebox. But like, it seems like if you don't win it, there's a good chance you're not going to be profitable for the season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so what I found with um, the chin music is, so even, you know, this, this person, uh, they have an expected ROI in our stuff at about 30%. Um, and they still had essentially 50% of their seasons where they lost money. Um, and then within that, their bankroll dropped from $200 to zero uh, uh, six times in in these sims. Um, compared that to the quarter jukebox, uh, I, I, I'm going to change this because I did this backwards where I have the expected ROI like lower here. Um, so I'm going to change that a little bit just to like kind of match it up with the chart that's like above it. Because I feel like that's kind of inconsistent. But wait, um, is why is the ROI lower in the quarter jukebox? Right. Pardon me. The the expected ROI should be lower in the quarter jukebox, right? That no, no, it's it's confusing because uh, actually, wait. The table at the top great. makes it seem like it would be higher. Yeah. The table at the top says that going from the chim music to the quarter jukebox gives you one point eight seven percent more ROI. Yeah, it should be slightly higher. I mean, so the. But like, why is it not? Is it just like just a typo or? Well, so no. So this is like, this is two different players. Does that, oh. does that make sense? So like, this is two actual players that took part in these lineup or in these contests. Okay. They're showing different things. Yeah. You're saying, just... Because what we did is the ROI change is measured by taking a lineup from the chin music, pretending that was entered in the quarter jukebox and just seeing how the ROI changes. Whereas with this, it's taking um, a player from the chin music, seeing what their variance looks like over 20 seasons and taking a player from the quarter jukebox with a similar ROI right? and seeing how they do over 20 seasons. So they're like just measuring different things. Right. Yeah. And okay. I, I didn't, I didn't want to put, I mean, I, I could have done like the, the chin music lineup basically right next to it. Um, but I was a little nervous to like, just with, you know, a single entry versus a 20, like, you know, how do you kind of reconcile that together in terms of like the intention of the lineup? And then, you know, you're, you're picking 20 lineups somehow, even though you're only putting the one from the chin, like right. it just gets a little bit messy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so for the quarter jukebox, I mean, you can see that, um, it's just a lot less variance. Yeah. The, the, there's of, no, of there, like, there's still jumps from winning it, but the spikes are nowhere near as big. Yeah. Um, and the lines are just all grouped much 
more subtly. And the two stats we haven't actually mentioned that I think are you and I talked a lot about was just the number of losing seasons and the number of times going bust. And so this is kind of wild is that in like a 30% ROI is high. I mean, at these contests, like maybe that is sustainable, but like that seems high on the high it's end. It's really good. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And with that ROI, and you're saying the expected ROI is if you just did this like for all over all 3000 simulations, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. That's, that's like long-term um, expected ROI. Right. And so it's still like there are nine losing seasons. If you're only doing, if you're only measuring the better way of phrasing is probably like there are nine losing seasons in this contest. Um, like you might have right. other things mm -hmm. to balance it out, but if you're looking at how you performed over this in this specific contest, almost half the time you lose in the season and you actually go broke six times, so like a little less than a third. And that's with a $200 bankroll. So that's making it so that um, it's 40 times the cost to max it out. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I guess, two and a half percent of your bankroll in this one contest. Yep. And then for the quarter jukebox, number of losing seasons five, so that's basically cut in half. Um, you only go broke once, and the ROI is very similar. Um, and that, so, I mean, I guess, theoretically, like, number of losing seasons and bust probably won't change because those are, like, pretty um, big, uh, they're less precise numbers. But, like, if someone had a 29.9% ROI or you like what I think it is what you're getting at before is that the best comparison would be to say, okay, you gain 1.87% from going from the chin music to the core jukebox. Let's take the chin music expected ROI, add 1.87% to it and find a player with the ROI closest to that. Like you're saying that's going to be the most accurate yeah, I think I think that'll just illustrate like, I guess it, it'll kind of keep the continuity uh, well because we're saying okay, the quarter jukebox is like pretty close to two percent softer, um, so I just should have done the expected ROI, basically going the other way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. So like this is kind of I guess where I feel like. Um, I could do a little bit better in terms of like, uh, I know that we, we have these like number of losing seasons and number of busts, uh, but I just, I feel like we want something like solid. Um, and so, you know, whether that's like a standard deviation or something like that, uh, it just like, I mean, obviously you can visually like see the difference in variance, um, like through these graphs, but I feel like, I don't know. I, I almost want just like some number or something where it's like, okay, like this, you know, the, the quarter jukebox is 20 entries instead of one. Like how can we, instead of like showing it through the graph and showing the variance change, how can we sort of 
put that more like succinctly. How easily can you change the bankroll? Uh, very easily. Could you just and solve so, for, or maybe it's more of guess and check rather than like truly solving for it. But like, what if we yeah, just so, found out the number, the bankroll where the number, the chance of bust is zero? So it, well, so I went the opposite way, but if you go to the next slide, this was one of my sort of thoughts is in one of them, I adjusted the bankroll to a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in this one, then we're losing five of the seasons We're going bust three. So this would be playing like 5% of your bankroll in this. Um, and so, yeah, so basically I just was trying to answer where the variance, uh, equals the variance in the other contest. And then the one other thing I did was like, because obviously you can adjust the percentage of your bankroll that you're playing. Um, but then also it was like, what if you're playing less days and how does that sort of affect the, uh, the variance? And so for that, we actually get to the nine losing seasons. Um, and so basically what that is saying is like 160 days of a single entry is like somewhat comparable to a hundred days of 20 max. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far. Okay. Well, I wouldn't go that far because I, I think there's a significant difference between having a losing season and going broke. <laughs> like I agree. And, and yes, yeah, so they might have the same number of losing seasons. They might about half the time have a losing season, right. but in the chin music, there's six times as likely to lose literally everything. And that's, I think the risk we should optimize around. And so it might be, um, that that's why I, I do feel like finding the number where is bankroll for, number of bus to be one and then bankrupt for number of bus to be zero. Cause there's a chance that like zero is just not practical, but saying what is the lowest bankroll that allows it to be one in the high. And then like, at what point does that cross over to zero? Yeah. Right. And so um, you're, what you're basically saying is try and match this like chin music variance to the variance of the quarter jukebox. No. Oh, maybe, but that's not, that's not yeah, yeah, I guess. in the way that like I'm thinking. Uh, right, right, right. What I'm saying is like independent of everything else, you talked about like getting something concrete, like a number. I mm -hmm. think that number would be for the okay. chin music. Tell us at what point, what is the smallest bankroll you can have to have um, only one, only go bust once, where if you go below that, like you're um, the if you go below that, like you have you then are going to now my head's all broken. No, I, um, I get what you're saying. Okay. Like how big does that $200 bankroll number need to be to give you enough runway over 20 seasons? So you have zero busts. Yeah. 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 It, and I guess, I, yeah. I, yeah, it makes sense to me too, Andy. I, I phrase it weird, but is this something that, can be done like you can solve for it or is it really just gonna, like could because no I, it's I somewhat arbitrary that you. it's somewhat arbitrary that i'm picking going bus once 
Um, yeah. What about like two times? Like, what does that look like? So if it's something where it's easy, just look at different numbers of going bust. That would be great. But if it changes the scope of what you have to do, that's a different question. No, it's... Uh... Yeah, so I guess just in... So in this, the, the left the chin music sort of graph there. Um, the biggest downswing was minus $280. And so if you had a $300 bankroll, you would have gone bust zero times. Oh, wow. That's okay. not what I expected. Yeah. So these six busts, they were so close. Yeah, it was... Almost. Like they barely... Well, because yeah. the big I mean, thing is that what I think people don't have a good intuitive understanding of is the importance of sequence of returns, where any of these ones that won early on had zero chance of going bust. Uh huh. But like some of these ones that went broke, they could have still hit that win like the next lineup, but they had no more money, so they couldn't play. So the one of the important things that I was talking with Eric about was it needs to stop once they hit zero um like yeah. it needs to be a true bankroll um because yeah like i think this sort of shows yeah if, if one line just kept going the roi yeah it's be, that's 29.9 and it's just like this is just different ways of, of having it and so that's yeah. that's more the the thing which is still surprising but like that's it's because of the sequence of returns i think too like you know in over this season for this player, like they're playing $800 total. And so, you know, to have like to have a $300 downswing, it doesn't seem like a lot, but like that's a lot of losing. Um, yeah. So, well, and also an increase of a bankroll to $280 to reduce bust to zero is. In my head, when you first said that, that seemed small, but that's actually like a 40% increase from their starting point, which is a lot. Yeah. And so that, you know, instead of this is two and a half percent, they would be playing like 1.7% of their bankroll every day, uh, which again, it doesn't like two and a half to 1.7 doesn't seem like all that much. But um, yeah, I think that's pretty significant. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out is okay. So this next one is where yeah you looked at different bankroll size, um, and so yeah I guess to be clear, what I would do is I don't think you need to do it for like every single number of bus, but I would do like zero, one, two, three, and because I think it will be interesting to see at what point is there just diminishing re returns. Um, I guess going the other direction is where the diminishing returns we get, where it's like maybe going from two to to one requires a much bigger bankroll. And that's something that I think when it comes to giving these suggestions to people is going to be really important because a lot of it does come down to risk. And so we can say like, look, if you want, we'll never say zero chance of bust because there's so many assumptions baked into it. But we can show like you'll need twice as big of a bankroll as if you're okay with going bust some percent of the time. And 
what my assumptions would be is that for more casual players, um, for smaller bankroll amounts, people are going to be more comfortable with get the chance of going bust because it's less likely to have an impact on their lives. Whereas when you become a pro um, or it just is contributing meaningfully to your life, that's where it's probably going to make sense to change that risk tolerance when the numbers, basically when the numbers get like real to you. Um, but the question I have is it's still doing this in a very, um, it's making binary comparisons. Are there ways where you could look at say, okay, where you could just actually measure the variance of different portfolios of lineups where you could say someone is investing a hundred dollars. Here are two different ways they could get there. What is the chance of them going bust? Like not in one contest, but just like, in general, right. because like that's Overall. much more representative of a season is playing multiple contests. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's doable. It's just a little tricky and like, you know, we would be making some choices in like, what is this player? Like, you know, they're 20% here. Uh, then we have to find a 20% player in another contest or like, um, well, I mean, you, know, you, you could get into like following a player through. Well, that's contests. what I was well, like, cause you could relatively easily just say for each of these portfolios, let me find people who played all these contests and just choose that person. Yeah, yeah I could do that. Um, do we want to look for somebody with, maybe a little bit of a lower ROI for any of this analysis. I feel like 30% is absolute like elite. Um, I was going to bring that up too, actually, just in terms of like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's another variable that we like don't really, or that we hold constant that isn't constant is like, obviously if your ROI is lower, the bankroll you need to sustain or yeah, the bankroll you need basically to not go broke is going to need to be more. Right. Which I think is true of most people out there. Yeah. That they don't have yeah. a percent expected. ROI. <laughs> True. Even if we just, I mean, that's probably not even, even if you just siloed all winning players, that's probably still a pretty top outcome. Yeah, I, I could do that. Um, Andy, how do you feel about that? I mean, so my, I, I like that, uh, because I the think the biggest if we, factor if to me, banding things, the, the biggest factor gonna... to me is going to be how much time this stuff takes you to do, because right. like, if it's a matter of updating the queries to just like do more shit, then yes, get more granular. Um, if you have to like repeat this process manually for each different bucket we look at, then yeah, we're going to have fewer buckets. But if it's on the more automated side, I would just do 5% increments from minus 10, minus five, zero five, and then up to 30 and above, like, like okay. 30 and up is the highest bucket minus 10 smallest bucket. Um, and, and then just that's... use your 
use your best guess of how to group them within that and don't like stress too much there. Okay. And yeah, the, so the ladder, that's how I have it set up right now where it splits into the buckets um, of ROI. Uh, but like, yeah, I guess just readability wise, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be throwing five different graphs at people at varying ROIs, like that might be a little bit more confusing versus just like, oh, here's a wing player. So, yeah. I mean, what I would say is, Jordan, if you um, want to, yeah, we've got, uh, it's like a somewhat hard stop in a few minutes. Um, if you want to look at, if what I would say, yeah, Jordan, it, it create a handful of portfolios of contests saying, okay, mm. someone's putting 20 bucks in someone's put and adjust the numbers based on contests that like actually fit it. Uh, like there's a $27 single entry. So like $27 is probably a good one. And then figure out what is, what are two other ways someone could get that much money down. Um, and then do it for a hundred two fifty, and probably even a, th a thousand. Um, just, I would say at least those. And then, yeah, so 25 ish, a hundred, 250, a thousand, potentially something, potentially a 500 or 600, something like that. And then three buckets for each. And maybe it's some of the highest. Well, no, you should be able to find three. Okay. Uh, do you want, do you think like a contest should be? mutually exclusive to a bucket so like if i'm saying no it's like 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 the biggest thing is just treat this as though try to get in the person's like it, it should be kind of someone would actually play okay so if, if think of like their style like they might i prefer single entries which is a lot of people do so like i would always have one bucket that favors single entries um but I, I think there's it's rare to find a person who like doesn't play any single entries. Yeah. So it's yeah, like the buckets should be logically consistent, but that would mean that I would still probably include those single entries in the other buckets, but there should be one bucket that that's all it is. And then one is like first I'm gonna max out the mini max and then I'll see what else I can fit in to to stay within my my thresholds. And that's usually gonna be like single entries and then yeah and maybe just two buckets is okay but i would say up to three okay um and then we're gonna try to find a real player that actually fit those portfolios we're going to find a player that we're going to try to find a player that had entries in those contests it doesn't mean they exclusively had entries in those contests gotcha like they could have played a bunch of other ones but they had them in all of those okay. um, cool. because we don't necessarily care about their portfolio decisions. Um, we just care that we have the most consistent data set to analyze, to figure this out because um, it, we're really going to be measuring like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be playing that contest, but then playing that other contest has no bearing on another contest. Um, 
just the fact that they, they did play it. That makes sense. Yep. Um, and okay. So to summarize, I'm going to do ROI analysis and variance analysis for the four seamer non-experienced versus experienced, the fifty cent minimax versus the four seamer, um, and for the variance analysis. You're going to use the ROI change approximately to pick who to analyze in the softer contest. You're going to look at different ROIs, minus 10, minus 5, 0, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30 and up. For the minus 10, though, don't do minus 10 and under. Like Keep it to around that. Um, And then identify the bankroll needed to hit different number of bus. And you'll be looking at the portfolio of contests uh, that get to different buy-in, total buy-ins. Sounds good. Cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think we're still going to figure out the way to um, put it all together. So what I would say, Eric, is don't obsess over presentation. Okay. Get the data together and then we can do like, it doesn't need to be recorded because it'll just be more housekeeping stuff but like we can get together review it and just say okay like how should we polish this up to make it uh presentable and i think yeah what i'll do is this will be hosted live on office hours but we will also post that recording on this podcast feed as well so that people at least listening don't have to like jump to another place to to get the conclusion um but I'm really excited about this because we're, we're getting closer to the ultimate question, like the practical question. And I think we started out pretty theoretical, realized and kept dialing in and dialing in. And we're like, okay, wait, but like people aren't actually making that decision. No one's going to be deciding between the daily dollar and whatever that $121 single entry is. Um, and so I think this is that last step to get it. Um, as practical as we can. Um, there's a lot of other things we could look into down the road, but I think we'll, we'll call it uh, after after this. But I think just to plant the, the seed in everyone, I think um, looking at actually building lineups and seeing how those would have done in a contest lets us then analyze things like stack sizes, um, seeing both what the expected ROI is as well as the variance um seeing how does that change based on the size of the slate um and that sort of thing it could think could help us give better rules of thumb to people and again our big thing is not relying just on rules of thumb but it's it's understanding the data but at the end of the day rules of thumb exist for a reason and so we want to give content that lays out those best practices is probably a better way of phrasing it than rules of thumb and build our tools to give people that nuance that they're not able to get manually. And so some of that stack analysis and other kind of things would be really helpful as we look at the actual like builder code and everything else to see how can we improve it to just create lineups that are more, uh, that fit different profiles better. But all right, got to run. Um, anything else 
before we sign off? Nope. Cool. All right. Well, really appreciate it, Eric. Appreciate the the feedback as well, Jordan. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll sync up and get this wrapped up. Thanks, guys. Cool. See ya. Thanks.